When a Christian marries a non-believer, if the non-believer is stronger than the believer, the believer will be drawn away and will begin to compromise. May God tonight give us not only the knowledge and the wisdom, but the discernment, and may God steer our hearts up not to make the same mistakes that we're reading about years ago. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Well, it's a privilege to be with you once again as Raul continues our series in 1 Kings. We'll explore how King Solomon deviated from his father David's example of devotion and not only ruined his testimony, but set the course for the nation's downfall as well. The fact is, small compromises can lead to significant sin if we're not careful. We encourage you to follow along if you have a copy of God's Word in the book of 1 Kings. Here's Raul Reese. Now in chapter 3, we begin our study as we look now at Solomon taking over the kingdom. He's 20 years old. And notice in chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, he says, Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. And then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and then the wall all around Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting that when you go back to the law of God, when the Pentateuch was being written, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, especially Deuteronomy. In the 17th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, God speaking through Moses, had spoken to Moses and told Moses, Moses, this is what kings have to do. So in order to understand what he means, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 17 for a moment. Turn there with me, please. Deuteronomy chapter 17, beginning with verse 14. Listen to what he says. When you come to the land in which the Lord your God is giving to you, to possess it and to dwell in it and stay, I will set a king over me like all the nations of all around me. Now, it's interesting that Moses, in writing the book of Deuteronomy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as God was speaking through him and he was writing down, you know, taking notes as God was speaking to him, That even way before Saul, the king, would ever arise, that he knew the heart of the people, that the people, instead of wanting to worship God, they wanted a king like the rest of the nations. We find that in the book of 1 Samuel, written many years later. Here God is warning because God knows the heart of men. Before we ever sin against God, God knows already what we're going to do. And notice what he says. He says, You shall surely set a king over you, whom the Lord your God chooses, 
One from among you, among your brethren, you shall set as a king over you, that you may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Now, God did not want anybody that was not a Jew over the kingdom. Why? Because God was ministering to the Jews, and the Jews were supposed to go out and evangelize every foreigner. The Jews didn't do that. God wanted to speak to His own king. Saul was never God's choice. David became God's choice. Why? Because Saul was self-willed. Saul didn't want to obey God. And even to the point where he was embarrassed to become the king and he was showing his weakness. And when they went to anoint him as king, they couldn't even find him. He was hiding in the stuff. And the Lord told Samuel, hey, you're looking for Saul. He's over there hiding on the stuff. And they went and picked him out and brought him out. And that showed the first sign that Saul was not going to be a good king. He was going to be a weak king. God already knows the character of a person. Especially when a person doesn't want to follow the Lord. Look what else he says about them. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return the way again. What do you mean? God never ever wanted us or doesn't want us like Solomon and like any other king in Israel to ever go back to Egypt for help. Egypt is a type of the world. You see? God here is warning them what not to do. And already Solomon is disobeying God. And he just came into the kingdom. What do you mean? Well, you will see he will multiply himself with 4,000 horses, 4,000 riders. He will take upon himself 700 wives and 300 concubines. Look at the next verse. Look what he says. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart be turned away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver, gold for himself. Here God is warning. And what does Solomon do? He multiplies himself with horses and chariots and horsemen and wives and concubines. Right there in chapter 3 verse 1, what does he do? He goes down to Egypt, the world. And what does he do? He becomes unequally yoked together with a non-believer. Interesting. Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through chapter 7, verse 1, he says, Be you not unequally yoked together with the non-believer, for what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what fellowship has light with Satan? Think of the people, thousands of Christians, that have made the mistake of dating non-believers and even marrying them. And then paying the consequences. You reap what you sow. Why? Because people don't listen. Here in the book of Deuteronomy, God already is warning. 
warning kings, warning the people about multiplying horses, multiplying wives, multiplying gold and silver for yourself. Covetousness. What else? Verse 17. Again, neither shall you multiply wives for himself, lest his heart be turned away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver nor gold for himself. And also it shall be that when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law of a book, then notice from the one before the priests and the Levites. Notice what he says. When you were to take the kingship, you were supposed to have a copy of the Bible for you to read it so you could run the country and rule over the people in a godly manner. But every major leader of the world should have a Bible next to his what? To his throne. Why? Because the Bible instructs you what to do. It gives you wisdom and knowledge. Here Solomon not only married foreign women, but listen, you're going to see the picture unfold. It's horrendous. It's just sad to see it. As he marries these women, what do these women do? They take the heart of Solomon away from God. To do what? To worship other gods. That's usually what happens with non-believers. When a Christian marries a non-believer, if the non-believer is stronger than the believer, the believer will be drawn away. And will begin to compromise in the things of God. May God tonight give us not only the knowledge and the wisdom, but the discernment. And may God steer our hearts up not to make the same mistakes that we're reading about years ago, that are still happening today. What else does he say? He says, And this shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and be carefully to observe all the words of this law and this statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandments of the right hand or his left hand, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, and notice, and his children in the midst of Israel. Listen what he's saying. If a king or a president takes the Bible and lives by the word of God and rules and governs by the word of God, God is going to direct him and God is going to bless him. And guess what? God is going to bless a nation because you have a godly leader. It's time for judgment when the king or the prophet or the priest or the president or the United States is not a godly, fearing man of God. Then God will judge the nation. God help us to learn tonight from these tremendous chapters that are before us. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. We wanted to take just a moment to speak with Raul about his upcoming trip to Israel, and here's some reasons why our walk with the Lord could be impacted by being a part of a trip like that. Raul? It will impact your walk because you're walking where Jesus walked. 
And I think that Bible studies that are given there by the pastor, that they're going to bring not only conviction, it's going to feed your soul. So when you go back to the hotel, you're going to open the Bible for that day. You're going to read. You're going to make notes. You know, not maybe your Bible, like I do notes in your Bible, or maybe in a piece of paper. So when you come back, you come back fully loaded with God's Word, with the uh, sights that you saw, which now they're going to become not only real to you, but when I share the gospel with people, they'll go, wow, how did you know I've been there? I walked through there, I sat there, I ate there. All these things that I wanted to do, I've done it. You need to go to Israel. Thanks, Raul. We hope you'll consider making plans to go along. The dates to join Pastor Rawl, his wife Sharon, and their son Ryan are April 2nd through 13th, 2024. For more information, visit our website, somebodylovesyou.com. Now back to the conclusion of our study from 1 Kings chapters 3 and 4. Again, he married Pharaoh's daughter. Why did he marry Pharaoh's daughter? Probably because Solomon wanted to make a covenant with that country. And the way they used to do it, look, if you marry my daughter, then we can become friends and we can do commerce together. You see? That's what he was doing. Doing business in that culture. And yet God had said, hey, I'm the one that promotes you. I'm the one that blesses you. You have my word. And my word says, be you not unequally yoked together with a non-believer. If there are any of you here tonight that are young, and you're going with someone as a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, and you have someone that is not a believer, listen, you're actually fighting a losing battle without the Lord. You're nothing but looking for trouble for yourself. As my wife shall tell you. Because in these types of relationships, Satan comes in like a flood. And deceives the hearts of women and men. And then you suffer. And then you pay the consequences of sin. God desires that you would wait and that you would be obedient. You'll see in a moment. God's purpose, He says, look, if you obey me, I will bless you. But if you don't obey me, then I'm going to curse you. That's the way it is. Verse 2, look what He says. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Now, Although the Ark of the Covenant was in Jerusalem at this particular time, the tabernacle was in Gibeon. And that was probably about six miles away from Jerusalem. They haven't built the temple yet. Solomon is going to build God's temple. It's not built yet. So what are they doing? They're going to these high hills... And they're going to the top of the hill and they're setting up their altars and they're saying, we're worshiping God where God had warned them. And God says, when you worship at the high places, these are the place of idolatry. Notice their heart was not fully with God. Even at the beginning, this was the beginning of idolatry. And these are God's people. How many times have you met people That they say the right sentences, they speak the right lingo. 
and they sound like Christians, they even smell like Christians. <laughs> and at the same time, when you really spend time with them, fellowshipping, you begin to see that maybe they're not fully consecrated to the Lord. That's a picture here of these people. And here God has spoken to them and said, you're not supposed to do that. They were supposed to be salt to the world that was so dark in their culture and time. And yet instead of becoming totally sold out to God, they sold themselves to the world. And they made covenants with non-believers. And they began to fellowship with them. And began to give out their daughters and their sons in marriage. And they became a mixed multitude. And some of these people walked away from their God to worship other gods. Look what else it says. And Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statues of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places too. How can you love the Lord and offer sacrifices in the high places? That's compromising. You see, David was fully, fully devoted to his God. The Bible says that David had a heart after God's own heart. Solomon was not like his dad. As we continue to read the stories and we continue to study exegetically the Bible, you will see that eventually Solomon will turn away from God. And he'll turn to worship other gods. Here is the beginning. Going up to these little hills and sacrificing his incense at the high places. And yet it says, And Solomon loved the Lord. And now the king went up to Gibeon where the, the actual tabernacle was. To sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. You see, that was the place. Not the high places. This was the place of worship. The tabernacle. God established it in Exodus. This is the place where my people will come. To worship me. To bring their sacrifices to me. This is where I meet them. In the tabernacle. Why? Because in the tabernacle was the presence of God. Where God dwelt. And His presence was there. And He met the people there. And this is where they were forgiven for their sins. As they would bring their lambs and their goats and their turtle doves. And the priest would look at it. And then would actually wash them. And then he would take it and kill it. And then bleed it. And then take and cut up the meats. And then barbecue it. And then give some to himself. And then to the Lord. And it would go up as sweet smelling barbecue meat unto the Lord. And God would receive it. God loves barbecue meat. He loves it. It was a well-pleasing sacrifice unto him. And you know what God loved the most? The fat of the meat. That was the best part that was given to God. Look again what he says. And so Solomon offered, verse 4, And now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Can you imagine that? 
a thousand offerings, a thousand lambs. Now, what does he mean by a burnt sacrifice? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the burnt sacrifice is actually the sacrifice of consecration of my life to God. Remember Romans 12, 1, 2? Does it sound familiar? Paul said what? I therefore, the person of the Lord, he says, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your minds. You see, in the New Testament, we would come, we do come, and we offer our bodies a living sacrifice, not dead. In the Old Testament, it was a dead sacrifice. And the sprinkling of the blood, and the burning of the meat, and the sweet incense or aroma going up to heaven was a sacrifice pleasing unto the Lord. But in the New Testament, we are the temple of the living God. They had a tent. Then they built a building. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, verse 16 and 17, he says, He says, Know you not that you are the temple of the living God? And if any man defile the temple of God, God himself shall destroy him. And the word temple, there are two words in the actual Greek language. One speaks for a building, and the other one speaks for the holies of holies. And that's the word that he uses. The holies of holies in the Old Testament was the only place where the priest could go in once a year on the day of atonement. Listen, on the day of atonement. And he would go in for the people. To ask forgiveness for the people as they would not only take two rams. One ram was alive. The other ram was taken and killed. But before they would kill the ram or the goat. They would go into the tabernacle, into the holies of holies. And the priests, once a year he was allowed to go in. He would have a rope tied to his right ankle. And then he had the 12 stones on his chest, the crown. But you know what else is there? That the priest would go in and he would make atonement. And when he would come out, as they had killed the ram, the, the one left alive, the priest would come out and go over to the ram or lamb or goat. And he would lay his hands on top of the head of the goat. Why? Is the transfer of the sins of the people and myself into the ram, into his body. And then they would take the ram and they would walk it out from Jerusalem to the back part of the Judean desert. And they would cut him loose so that he could actually go by himself. And as long as they could see that ram back to Jerusalem where the people were paying respect to God and worshiping on the day of atonement. They would have these ram horns. They would blow it. Once the ram was lost in the wilderness, the guy in the wilderness would blow the ram's horn. And then this guy here would blow the ram's horn. And it would give back to Jerusalem. And everybody would rejoice. Why? Because my sin was put out for once and for all. But it was only a covering. Not like the New Testament. You see, it was hidden. Until next year. In the New Testament, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin immediately. The sin is no longer there. He became what? The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. 
As we've reflected on Solomon's self-destructive choice to dishonor God with continuous compromise, we hope you've been prompted to honestly evaluate your own life. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To hear today's lesson in its entirety, call 800-634-9165 and request Raul's teaching from 1 Kings chapters 3 and 4. We'll send you a complete copy for a donation of $5 or more. There's also an important book we'd like to tell you about. It's called Sin, the Root of All Evil. It exposes the dangers of a lax attitude concerning God's commands. It's a resource that will spur you on in developing a healthy, lifelong habit of obedience. You'll also learn how to pinpoint the temptations that could pull you from a life of true communion with the Lord. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call us at 800-634-9165 to order Rawls' book titled Sin, The Root of All Evil. We'll send your copy for a donation of $8 plus shipping and handling. Our phone number once again is 800-634-9165. Or you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Thank you for partnering with us. This is a listener-supported ministry, and every tax-deductible gift you give helps us continue reaching more and more people with the good news of Jesus. Tune in next time for our continuing focus on God's sovereignty and mercy as we explore 1 Kings. You'll be challenged to recognize your need for the Lord's wisdom and follow Solomon's example in seeking divine guidance for your daily life. We hope you'll join us. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.